And now, for another episode of The Rich and the Filthy, the serial melodrama about the filthy and the rich. We take you now to a special room in the Forest Mansion, occupied by a very special young woman named Angelique. Angelique is supposedly a vegetable and supposedly the daughter of wealthy matriarch Rebethany Forrest. But is she either? Is her name even Angelique? Or has she been pretending to be Angelique for the past few years? Faithful listeners will know the answer and new listeners are about to find out. Let's eavesdrop, shall we? Nurse, leave me alone with Angelique for a moment, please, and close the door. Yes, Mrs. Forrest. Oh, Angelique, you're so beautiful, ethereal. Maybe that's why I come to you with my problems. You're the one constant in my life. For 18 years you've lain in that bed, unaware of the world, unaware of yourself. The world can't change you. You're unstained, unspoiled, unpolluted. Oh, Rebethany, if only you knew how stained, spoiled, and polluted I really am, you would hate me. No, no, I can't ever let you find out. I've got to go on with this cruel charade. Oh, God, I'm about to crack. Everything in my life has been going wrong these last few months. And now, now I have a new worry. Oh, that's one that's so horrible I I can't even allow myself to think of it. I can't even tell you, Angelique. I can't find the words. Oh, Bethany... My heart aches for you. I refuse to be another source of grief. I'll be just the opposite. When I pretend to recover, I'll be a source of joy. Yes, yes, that's the justification for my criminal actions. I'll be your source of joy. Maximus, I told you not to call me again. Ah, yes, but our little lunch was so much fun. I want to do it again and again and again. How can we have lunch again if I do not call you again? I know you will not call me. You seemed upset by what I told you. You didn't tell me anything, Maximus. You only made me wonder. Wonder what? Well, you planted a seed of doubt in my mind. Seed? Doubt? Tell me again what happened that night in the cabin 32 years ago. But I told you everything. Tell me again. I want to convince myself that you're not hinting at anything beyond what you're saying. Would I do that? (laughs) I don't know what you do, Mr. Morane. I barely know you. Barely know me? (laughs) I'm getting tired of these games. There are no games. I told you everything. You went to the cabin 32 years ago. Aaron Forrest went too, expecting Blanda Hogan. He beds you, thinking you are Blanda. You get pregnant, he marries you. All this you already knew. Yes, I already knew all that. But I didn't know anyone else was in the cabin. You told me to seduce Blanda Hogan so that Aaron could not have her. That I did. But I didn't tell you to seduce her in the same cabin Aaron and I were in. Is that what you did? Is that what happened? No evasions this time. Just tell me, were you and Blanda Hogan in the cabin on the same night Aaron and I were there? It was a big cabin. Stop evading the question. Yes, Rebuffany, we were there. Why the hell did you bring her there? I could not stop her. So I thought, all right, she goes there. I go there. I pretend to be Aaron. She's happy. You are happy. 
Everyone is happy. You're making me very nervous. And you'd better put my fears to rest right now. You said you pretended to be Aaron. Yes, I am an excellent mimic. Rebephany, how are you doing? This is Aaron Forrest. Aaron? No, Rebephany, that was me. <laughs> you see, I can imitate him perfectly. And after 32 years, I can still do the character. That's how brilliant I am. Yes, I said it. Brilliant. That's one thing you will come to learn about me. I toot my own horn, and I am not ashamed to do it. Toot, toot. I will ask you this once, and so help me God, if I find out you betrayed me 32 years ago. Betray you? No, I would never betray anyone's trust. You may be a respected business leader now, Mr. Morane, but back then you were a gigolo. And I paid you to betray someone's trust, Blanda Hogan's. What I want to know is, did you betray my trust as well? No, I would never do that. You pay me, you can trust me all day. That's how I am, how I was. Now I have money, I'll be honest for free. You're telling me that you pretended to be Aaron with Blanda Hogan, and only with Blanda Hogan, am I right? Of course, of course. What could possibly be going through that gorgeous head of yours? That, that's all I wanted to know. I don't need anything else from you, Mr. Morane. Thank you for your time. I know you're very busy, and we won't need to discuss this matter or any other matter ever again. Goodbye. Oh, I think we'll have more to discuss, Rebephany Forrest. I haven't forgotten you after all these years, and now that we've met again, I won't be able to think about anything else but you. <laughs> Goodbye for now, Rebephany Forrest. <laughs> I think he's telling me the truth, Angelique. Not that he's the tiniest bit trustworthy, but I think he's telling me the truth about that night. God, can you imagine? On top of everything else, suddenly I would have to worry that... No, there, there's no point in even thinking about it. I can put it out of my mind now. Why did I have to stir that pot anyway? That was 32 years ago. And Rufus is, what, 18, 19? Obviously, he couldn't have been conceived on that night. Of course, I wanted to know if she had ever had children and whether she and Maximus had formed any sort of relationship. Uh, but, but why? I mean, learning about Blanda Hogan's past won't help me to get rid of her. I don't even need to get rid of her. Not even Aaron could be fool enough to take up with her again. No. Mother Forrest thought she could destroy my relationship with Aaron by just bringing her into the house, by letting me find out who she really is. Well, Mother Forrest, I know who Blanda Hogan is now, and you failed miserably. I am more fiercely determined than ever to hold on to my marriage. I'll dig my claws into this marriage, set my teeth into it, and I'll never, never, never let it go. Did Rebephany Forrest just mention Rufus, her nephew? Ah, yes. Faithful listeners already know that young Rufus Forrest is beginning to suspect that the mercurial Blanda Hogan is his real mother. 
How can this be? Can the woman Rufus has fallen in love with and nearly slept with really be his real mother? His adopted father Milus doesn't even know who Rufus's mother really is, but now, in order to quell his son's fears, he is determined to find out. We'll find out what Milus finds out after this important message. <laughs> little girl. I'm Fantasy Horse, and I'm here to make all your fantasies come true. Wow, Fantasy Horse has come to visit me in my very own little bedroom. Hooray, hooray, hooray! And I'm Realistic Horse. I'm here to make sure you have realistic expectations for what horses are really like. What? A rival horse? No, Fantasy Horse. We're made by the same company. But some parents complained that an idealized horse was making little girls feel bad about themselves. So they created me, Realistic Horse. I like Fantasy Horse because he's purple and covered in glitter and he smells like rotten fairies. You'll like me even better. I'm a dull gray, I have stretch marks, and my legs are all cottage cheesy with cellulite. But I want to live in a fantasy world where only bad horses have physical flaws. Not all good horses are purple and covered in glitter. Yes, they are! Lots of good horses have acne scars, dandruff, and a tangled mane they don't have time to comb because they're holding down two jobs while paying off a mortgage and student loans. No, they don't. Don't listen to her, little girl. Remember our slogan. A horse that's not purple and glittered is lazy, dumb, fat, and embittered. Just because I live in a rent-controlled stable in a bad part of town doesn't mean I'm lazy, dumb, and bitter. Yes, it does. And don't forget fat. I don't want to grow up to be a plus-sized horse with stretch marks. I want to have pink fur and ride on rainbows. That will never happen. Be realistic like me. No way, realistic horse. I won't live in the real world like you. I want to live in a land of fantasy like fantasy horse. Goodbye, realistic horse. It looks like no one will buy you and the parents that complained about me will have to suck it. Oh, oh no. I'm fading away like a bad dream. And that's all reality is. A bad dream. So, Fantasy Horse is purple now? Uh, no, no, I'm not complaining. I, I don't give a damn about the continuity. I was just curious. Oh, oh, that's right, little girls. Buy new Fantasy Horse dolls and action figures today before a more realistic talking horse comes to visit you. <coughs> Enjoy the new factory realistic horse. <laughs> and now back to the rich and the filthy. Um, hello. My name is Milas Forrest. I, uh, adopted a baby here 19 years ago. Well, then it's too late to return her. Uh, yeah. I guess a little levity makes the day go by faster, huh? Well, it would if anybody laughed. But this place is just too depressing, I guess. <laughs> how is an adoption agency depressing? Oh, you know how it is. People wanted to have their own kids but couldn't, so they come here and take whatever human debris we can throw at them. Uh, human debris? 
Oh, all right. Babies. Jeez, what are you talking about? My wife and I were overjoyed when we adopted our son. And every adoptive parent I've ever spoken to feels exactly the same way. Oh, do they? Well, they all act overjoyed, that's for sure. But I can see the sorrow and disappointment in their eyes. I'd sure be disappointed if I couldn't have my own kids. <laughs> Look, before I vomit all over your desk, I wonder if you could help me. Well, I didn't mean to offend you, mister. It's just that I don't like to wear rose-colored glasses, that's all. Oh, John, I'm so happy I could burst. Look at our beautiful baby daughter, Marcia. <gasps> Did you hear what I said? Our beautiful daughter. <laughs> Horrible, isn't it? You can tell they're dying on the inside. Do you have a sane person working here who could help me? Well, what do you need? I need some information. When we adopted our son, we were given certain facts about the mother and father, but we weren't told who they were. Yeah, that's standard. Well, frankly, we didn't much care who they were. But now I need to know. Or to be honest, I just need to know the identity of the mother. Well, we can't give that information out to you. Could you give it to my son? Is he the one who wants to know? <laughs> he needs to know. Trust me. I can have him here today if that will help. We'd have to put him through a bureaucratic nightmare first, and even then we couldn't guarantee that he'd come away with the information. You don't know how important this is. Is it important? Yes. Well, now I know how important it is. <laughs> no, you don't. My son has been having nightmares, and I don't think they'll go away until he can find out who his birth mother is. Well... Bring him here, and we'll start the arduous legal process that may or may not pay off in the end. Look, is there any way we could skip that? Are you offering me a bribe? No. Then no. Wait, are you carrying a tape recorder? I would have said no anyway! Look, the important thing is not that he finds out who his mother is. He just needs to know who his mother isn't. Who she isn't? Here's the thing. My son has gotten into his head that his mother is a woman named Blanda Hogan, a woman who was my lover in college, a woman he thinks he's fallen in love with himself. He's having dreams about Oedipus Rex. What's that? It's a Greek tragedy about a king who kills his father and marries his mother. Are those the kind of filthy stories you're reading him at bedtime? Well, maybe we should send a social worker over there to check you people out. I said it was 19 years ago. He's a grown man, and he read the play himself. Oh, well, like I said, you can bring him over, and we'll see what little we can do. I just need you to confirm that his mother is not Blanda Hogan. You want to know who his mother is not? Yes. Mister, I pity you. I pity anyone who has to adopt a child. But there's something about you that really motivates me to do something. For the first time in my life, I'm actually gonna move my ass. You're going to find out who his mother is? I, I didn't say I'd go that far, but I'm definitely gonna move my ass. We'll see what happens after that. Ooh, wow, look at me. I didn't even think I knew how to move my ass. Whoa! Oh, God.
When I had power and prestige, I could cut past these kind of idiots like they were paper dolls. You're responsible for my fall from grace, Aaron Forrest. My dear brother. And if my son has to suffer because I can no longer tear through red tape, I will have my revenge. Aaron, I swear it. I'll have my revenge. Oh, I'm so glad I don't have to think about that Morani person anymore. It's really time that I focused on you, Angelique. Is it possible? Is it really possible you'll recover? Oh, yes, Rebephany. I'm going to recover. I'm going to be the most healthy, perfect, loyal daughter you've ever had. You know, I thought I could trust Dr. Morberry, but now there's only one thing for me to do, Angelique. I'll have to take you to another hospital. A hospital? And not St. Whipple's, of course, where Morberry works. No, I'll have to find somewhere else. I'll have their doctors examine you, and they'll tell me whether or not I have any hope. Oh, God, no! They'll find out I'm a fake! I'll go to prison! No, I've got to do something! Why don't I just prove that I can recover? Dr. Morberry said to take it slow. What can I do? Something small, but something Rebephany will know is a sign of recovery. Yes, that's it. She's holding my hand now, and, and the paralyzing drug has worn off just enough that I can... Oh, my God. It can't be, Angelique. Did you... did you just squeeze my hand? Fake Angelique be able to continue with this charade until she convinces Rebephany that she is a fully functional daughter, freed at last from the lifetime of vegetative unconsciousness? Find out in the next insipid episode of The Rich and the Filthy. The Rich and the Filthy is a weekly podcast produced in Indianapolis, Indiana at Playground Productions, owned by musician, tutor, and audio production artist, Adam Riviere. The Rich and the Filthy is written by Stephen Sperling. Many episodes include special material by the Rich and the Filthy cast. The Rich and the Filthy stars in alphabetical order Jerry Beasley, Susie Q. Davis, Jonathan D. Krause, Kirsten Leister, Marley Rebecca, Scott Sawyer, Josh Sperling, Stephen Sperling, and Camilla Upchurch. With our special guest star, Paula Bailey! The Rich and the Filthy theme and other music was written, produced, and recorded by Josh Sperling. The Rich and the Filthy is available on iTunes and Stitcher. The Rich and the Filthy is a Spoonatix production. Paula. When you came into the studio, did you see a hell beast outside? A what beast? Scott, check the door. <laughs> How are our food rations holding out? A fun-sized Snickers bar, a gently used cube of bubble yum, and half a Mento. What's going on? Here's the ladies' bucket if you have to use the bathroom. And we'll have to ask you to empty out your purse so we can add to our rations whatever snacks you might have in there. Uh, I'm... 
Need the ladies' bucket over here? Uh, me too. Oh, God. Oh, Jerry, what have I gotten myself into? Jerry? I made the mistake of becoming a special guest star. I made that mistake. Oh, God. <laughs> 